Sequelizers. This is episode one, as you may have already guessed. I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me, Mr. Matthew Stogden. I failed you, Master Chambers. <laughs> if anyone was the Alfred to my Bruce Wayne, <laughs> it would be you, Matthew. I'll bring you soup, don't worry. <laughs> would you tell me about my dead girlfriend's letter? I would tell you that maybe someone who loved you very much burnt that letter. <laughs> And in this moment of complete honesty, he's now telling you that she fucking hated you. <laughs> you weren't worth it. Yeah, I'd probably tell you about the letter. I wouldn't have burnt out. I just, I mean, that was a stupid move by Alfred. It was a weird choice, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a really personal thing between two people and she's dead. I know. I'll burn it. <laughs> <laughs> just like the other bloke's face. <laughs> oh, dear. If you haven't already guessed, folks, we're going to be fixing The Dark Knight Rises. Which is a film that a lot of people like for some reason. Yeah. I don't get it. It was a film that had the momentum of hype behind it. Mm. Um, and I think that for a lot of people, and this is a, a common problem across a lot of genre media, is that they invest a lot into something before actually seeing it and then the kind of sunk cost fallacy kicks in and they're like well I've spent all this time being really enthusiastic about this thing if I don't like it now if I if I listen to my heart and go oh, is that actually that very good then then I'll look like a fool and I'll have wasted my time so I'm just going to kind of insist that it's really good yeah Brexit um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's the Brexit of Batman films. Because it came out in 2012, the same year as Avengers. And there was this whole, yeah, still Marvel DC pissing contest. And there was the, oh, but Dark Knight Rises is so much better. And like, are you fucking crazy? The Dark Knight Rises, and I gave a review for it saying, uh, well, a lot of things in general, but also that it's a decent film in places. And I defended it more than, than Jack dislikes it. I thought there's a lot of positives to it. But coming off the back of what it did, it wasn't up to it. And the thing, the, the longer you go from this film, the more you realise how much it, A, fails its audience, Master Wayne, and also how much it dictated all of DC's direction through Warner Brothers for a good decade. Uh, well, I know. Because Nolan was a producer on like Man of Steel and all that kind of stuff, wasn't he? But was he really? I, I, don't, I know. don't know. I think he might have held Zack Snyder back from doing a lot of things. I think he must have... Maybe. I think yeah. he sort of leashed him a little bit. He would have gotten yeah. a worse film if that's possible, if... Nolan wasn't involved. Well, you know, Snyder had his chance and he got a cut, apparently. Hashtag release the Snyder, Snyder cut. cut. Snyder cut. Fuck off. Watch the Snyder cut, because in the Snyder cut, the Snyder More Bundle. misogyny, yeah. In the Snyder cut, Steppenwolf won't be the villain. Oh, no, wait, he still will be, and he'll <laughs> still be <laughs> worse than fucking Malekith the Dark Elf. <laughs> <laughs> it is the thing, oh, like, most God. of the things that will be shot and reshoot and things, it will most be CGI, the stuff that isn't finished yet. So, really. Most of the scenes in the film would be. I'm not getting the Snyder cut. I mean, I want to see it because if it does exist, I'm curious because I want to see alternative cuts of films all the time. I've seen six cuts of fucking Blade Runner, but <laughs> but guess what? It's still Blade Runner. Blade Runner's <laughs> a good film. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I can't hand no, no Snyder cut. I don't need three and a half hours of fucking Justice League in my brain. Uh, we, how many hours was uh, Dark Knight Rises again? Like 
it's it, in reality it's two forty five, but it feels about six. For for the good lord, it's slow. Yeah, for the listeners uh, who are our Patreon supporters, thank you very very much. We should point out that we did an audio commentary for that episode that you can listen to now. It's all available for Patreon. It's a new thing for season five. It is. Uh, it's it's good because we obviously try not to talk about the things we're going to be talking about in this episode so it's all fresh it's not like we're rehashing the same things again and our reactions having not seen this film for quite some time is astonishing when Bane first appears oh we just cracked up laughing it's, <laughs> it's painful and brilliant at the same time oh god I remember hating that film and I was right <laughs> god damn it <laughs> I was right all along and yeah it was a weird like I hadn't seen that film in quite a few years i think that was true for most of us or all of all mm, three yeah, of us. yeah we hadn't seen it for quite a while i had no urge to watch it again for a while. has it aged well let's find out no it has not and there's some like you said man there's some really cool ideas in there but there's just some really weird choices and things that don't in my opinion the main problem i have is that it doesn't really mesh well with the world that's previously established by batman begins and the dark knight they create this really grounded gritty this is Batman if it was real life kind of thing. There's no... It's not not Adam West's Batman. It's not your grandpappy's Batman. We're being all hard and he's shouting and doing a silly voice. I'm all right. He's taking himself really seriously. Except Bane does a really silly voice and it just sounds stupid. And as we said in the commentary, and I think it's a good point, he's such an iconic villain. People still do impressions of Bane to this day. And that, that will probably for want a better phrase, scar Tom Hardy's career for the rest of his life. <laughs> but it has this like real cult it was a real like cultural moment. It was the culmination of Nolan's Batman and there are so many things that I think people really wanted to cling on to, but I didn't like it at the time. I mentioned before I saw it day of release and hated it then. Rewatched it a couple of years later, still hated it. Rewatched it the other day, ready for the commentary, still hated it. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just don't get this film at all. It's very well regarded in general. 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is ridiculous. It's higher than Batman Begins. Yeah. Which is not right, because Batman Begins is the best of the Batman films that no one directed. It's the best Batman film of the Batman films that no one directed. Dark Knight's great, I, 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 but Batman Begins is the best Batman film. Yeah, I can I can see an, I can see an argument for that. I am closer to your to Matt's point of view than than Jack's. Surprise, surprise! I'm the grumpy, angry one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that there are good elements to The Dark Knight Rises, but I think it is built on quicksand. Um, I think it simultaneously tries to be not a superhero film at all, and like Batman doesn't show up until about forty five minutes an hour into it. Yeah. Um, but also, it there's a lot of parts where it just discards the sense of reality that they'd built up in the previous two films. And it becomes, in, in a way, a lot more ridiculous than those films, while still trying to n- desperately not to be a superhero film. And also, it mistakes like being self-serious and being plodding <laughs> for being mature. Um, Fuck you. Because... It- yeah. My God, is it slow? I had honestly forgotten how slow it was. I like I, said, I remember disliking it, but I couldn't really remember why I hated it that much. And as you said, Tim, it is plodding is the right word. It chooses to spend its time in the oddest places because there's so much of it that goes poorly explained and that isn't really explored and and elements that are potentially interesting that it just kind of glosses over. 
or that it you know it, with the fact that it does a time jump that it doesn't really like explain like oh so how did you know gotham end up like this kind of thing and then it does and then it takes time to like focus on stuff that just doesn't matter and that we don't care about like fucking Joseph gordon levitt's bus full of orphans um, <laughs> you know yeah. it just it, john it, blake could just not be in this film and it would make no difference whatsoever until the end Still doesn't make a difference. We don't, <laughs> no, we you're don't right. see it in this film. You're right, but that's the thing. You're you're entirely correct. He doesn't. You could just have a plot. kid swing out of nowhere and be like, "Hey, look up the Batman." I think the only thing he does actively that would change the plot is he finds Gordon and the pipe. But Ma- magically, found. yes. Yeah. When they specifically that's... say, "Oh, there's so many outlets, we'll never find him." Eight seconds later, he's let like, it go. "Are you doing, Commissioner? You all right? You, you're drowning? No, you're you're. I don't know why he's from the West what, Country. What happened to you, uh, uh, Gordon? I uh, I got I got shot." Cool, that's pretty awful. Does it mean you'll be out of commission for the entire film, Commissioner? Uh, Maybe. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be in these tubes. <laughs> it's like, I don't re- I mean, I know this is the thing. It's, are you going for full-on realism where even being grazed by a bullet can give you like all kinds of genuine problems and it's like, oh, that's actually really dangerous? Because I don't think you are because Batman just punched a fucking... Oh, sorry, kicked a fucking wall because he put a brace <laughs> on his leg. Magic knee brace bullshit. Yeah. I've, seen, uh, I've seen better... I've seen worse cartilage. Oh, that's pretty good. Ha! Oh, fuck you! I'm, tra- <laughs> I'm actually trying to say... I'm I've kicking seen- through bricks. Turns- I'm the doctor from Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. What a lot. I mean, there are so many strange moments, and you're right, the general pacing of the thing, where it does slow to a crawl at certain points to describe things in great detail that's oh, seemingly massively unimportant, and then races across to how the United States is completely fine with a small, almost annexed, terrorist cell run city saying don't worry we're not abandoning you but we kind of are and now it's winter yeah and it's like what the fuck is and how are the people surviving yeah. with nothing there's no i mean there's like humanitarian seems her humanitarian aid seems to be coming in mm-hmm. it's never explained how or why and what happens to the refuse and the, just the litter and the rotting food it's just is there a power plant on gotham no, so we're still pumping electric. What happens if something breaks over there? They got engi- like it, the the whole Gotham being like segmented off makes no sense. And when you think about it for more than about two minutes, it is just nonsense. Um, and it works in comics like No Man's Land because it's fucking comics. Yeah, people come back from the dead all the time. There's a fifth dimensional misfit little creature called Mr. Mixelplick. <laughs> like anything can fucking happen in DC Comics. Not anything can happen in Nolan's Batman. That's the problem. Nolan's Batman is so. We were said this in the commentary. Nolan's Batman is so grounded, and then it does stuff that is so fucking stupid and ungrounded and fantastical, which arguably isn't a problem. Except it completely contradicts everything else that's been established by this film and previous films. And as we always maintain with sequel stuff, if a film okay, a film comes out of nowhere, whether it's an adaptation or not, it is telling you this is the status quo that this film is going to operate by, the rules of logic and law. And whether it's like, oh, I know what Batman is already. Wrong. Because we're now going to show you what our Batman is. And you're like, fair enough. Let's go along with the ride, see where it goes. Maybe I like it, maybe I won't like it. And then it says, right, those rules I just told you? Yeah. Okay, maybe, don't worry about most of them. Why? I, I got tired. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't understand. You just told me... It's like, if you just said, right, Batman, he's super... He's just a dude, right? He can get into a fight, but he can't, like... He's not a magic boy. He can't just fly in the sky. And you're like, okay. And then in, like, you know, series three, he's flying in the sky now. 
what, like just just with like a plane and things? No, no, no he's flapping his wings. <laughs> it's like he doesn't have he doesn't have what he's got a cape. We saw it that like, you kind of like wings, electric it? current Close to it, enough. and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, nah, he's flapping wings. It's like. The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, but obviously, it's not an example in this film. That's but been, it's been a problem with other sequels we've talked exactly, about before. Exactly, exactly. Retconning stuff from earlier parts in the series or the previous film or whatever it is just fundamentally undermines the good stuff that has already been established. And then you go in with like, you instantly are like, wait, what? Why? How? What? Didn't we already decide that this happened and that happened? And oh, okay. Like, it's a big problem with like the X Men. Yes, For example, the yes. franchise that keeps rebooting itself and prequeling itself and sequeling itself and then sequeling the prequels of the reboots. <laughs> Which then, is oh, just there's, like the there's another Deadpool and another Wolverine and then another Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds is is that the same? Hmm. I, is this a different timeline? I don't know what what's going on. No, why is young Cyclops in the thing <laughs> with the, the? But he doesn't oh, meet God. him until he's adult. But then Wolverine's over the thing. How does he not recognise him from... What the fuck is going on? How is how is Emma Frost in her early 20s in the <laughs> mid-70s, but her late 30s in the 60s? Because diamonds don't age. Don't give me something that ageing in fucking yeah. it's It's that kind of thing, but to a lesser degree. It's that kind of... As we said, the first two are so determined to be realistic and, and the kind of... Want a better phrase? The anti-superhero film. They want to be. It's not Raimi Spider-Man. It's not all America's great and he's swinging by and saving New York and all this kind of stuff. This Batman is, first of all, a bit of a dick, and which is fairly well established things for other versions of Batman as well. But then he just like stops being Batman. It's a crime drama that happens to have a Batman in it. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing is is because it's not the things that we're talking about when we talk about how the tone has changed and the the sense of continuity has changed. Like it's not we're going through we're not cinema sins going through and nitpicking and being like oh but before the the capsule on in the left hand side of his utility belt was a gas grenade and now you, now we're expected to believe it's a concussion grenade. Like that stuff doesn't matter. It's the underlying sense of reality that that propels it and you know the dark knight which you know i as matt says you know it's more of a crime drama you know it's heat but but batman is in it and the joker you know it still had that sense of reality um just with a with a slight kind of undercurrent of a little bit you know more outlandish whereas this film is just like there's parts of it that are just so like buck wild when you stop down when you stop and break them down and and it's like wait every single police officer in a city has like run and and it like when you some of the plot points in this sound like they could be out of the joel schumacher films yes that's actually, <laughs> like yeah oh bane's got all the police officers trapped underground uh you'll have to you know spend four months digging them out wait <laughs> it almost sounds like an adam west thing of like What's Batman going to do to save them? Tune in next week to find out. And you referenced it in the commentary as well, Tim. They literally do the sometimes you can't get rid of a bomb thing. Yeah. For real. Yeah. In a multi-million dollar high-budget film. Looks like Gotham City's boys in blues have got themselves in a bit of a pickle. (laughs) How will Batman and his new accomplice, Johnny Blake, get them out of this? (laughs) And what does that temptress Catwoman have to do with it? Turns out... Not very much. 
Uh, it's yeah. it's interesting because uh, to me, I feel the whole thing is like a James Bond video game. I, I, I maintain that Christopher Nolan, like with the watch Inception and stuff, your interviews with him and so on, especially with the, the Dark Knight stuff, he very much wants to do a James Bond film, but doesn't want to do a James Bond film. He just likes the idea of having those exotic locations, um, cool... Uh, almost like that prison in things. the middle of nowhere, right, Matt? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me that. Ind- indescribable <laughs> stand. in the ground Hole in the ground stand. Yeah. <laughs> and the idea that he wants to think, but then you have the... Uh, two, how many again? I don't know. Is it six months? How many months pass? And Gotham is then under control, and it's been a while since you know Bane blew up the bridges, and then everything's surviving fine. And there are now three trucks that drive around the city with a nuclear bomb on one of them, and you have to do little marketing. Like, what what is this? It's like some sort of tag along, you know. Uh, it's like a mission. fun little puzzle. Yeah. For the sake of a fun little puzzle, which ultimately does nothing. And the, this is the thing that fucks me up about this film. None of it. And I always maintain this in my reviews. Um, Christopher Nolan's films have a wonderful air of intelligence while being quite dumb. <laughs> um, I've maintained they are the porcelain bucket that serves KFC chicken. And you go, oh, this is quite ironic and quite <laughs> nice. And it's like, no, it's bucket chicken, mate. It's the same stuff. It's just sits in a, it's on a plate and it's got a porcelain bucket. It's like, ooh, a, a deconstructed... No, 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 no. It's, it's the same fast food. <laughs> As Armageddon. <laughs> and, and if you expose it to any gravity, it will shatter apart. <laughs> yeah. And so you end up things like, and Stella is the best example, and it's the whole love is the the only thing in the universe. It's like, you know, it's like extensive time and space. And you're like, fuck, fuck off. <laughs> that is an Armageddon line if I've ever fucking heard one. But in this ridiculously very serious, we recreated an actual black hole nonsense film. And the same thing with The, with the Dark Knight Rises. It's just... Really silly pap Joel Schumacher bullshit, but with a really slick, actual, high-functioning production design. So Wally Fister's cinematography is still fantastic. The direction is still very good. The opening scene where there's so much real uh, in-cam content oh, of that, that plane. scene with the plane is so amazing. good. But then you've Almost. got... <laughs> he didn't fly so good! It's like, what? What is this? <laughs> what is what Aiden Gillen what, doing? What are you doing with your arms, Aiden Gillen? <laughs> <laughs> he's a wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube Aiden <laughs> Gillen oh maybe he's wondering oh my god and that voice um, it, it is a very very unusual film because if you take Batman Begins it's campy and silly but because it came off the back of a Joel Schumacher Batman arguably it's like this is great this is the best Batman film ever he looks like he can actually take down all his people in the, the prison this, this is this is real I like it yeah oh Scarecrow's actually scary brilliant Moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, Dark Knight comes out. No, this is this is real. This is the real one. Because look, he's barely in the film. <laughs> he's barely a Batman. It's mostly this crazy guy with makeup on his face, and this guy with half his face burnt off. Oh, well, for all of five minutes. This is this is a real film. And then Dark Knight Rises comes out, and as Tim mentioned earlier, people are so invested at a point saying whatever it's going to be, it's going to be the best trilogy of all time. And then everyone, I mean, there are so many reviews that started with, you know, this is it. This is the best trilogy. The Godfather tried and only Batman could succeed. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. what are you fucking talking about? I, well, ba- Batman had prep time, so he's going to win. <laughs> uh, oh, don't. <laughs> I prefer Godfather 3 to Dark Knight Rises. Interesting. Um, like, significantly. If, if Dark Knight Rises had a bit where they have to kill the Pope... It would be a better film. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Bane, I'm too close to the Godfather just, for that. Bane just kills the Pope for the, instead of going after Batman. 
He just goes after the Pope. <laughs> oh, man, him lifting him up and cracking him over his knee. I wonder what breakfast. Your faith was <laughs> 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 oh. fine. Turns out it was a spine. I, I probably cast Anthony Hopkins in the role of the Pope there. That'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> you merely adopted the faith. <laughs> I, was born, I was born to it. <laughs> and when I saw the real sign, it was blinding. <laughs> oh, Jesus so yeah, Dark Knight, good film. We all enjoy it. It's a very, very positive thing. It's very silly, but it works. I mean, there's a moment where they're driving down and uh, the Joker's got the uh, the giant Arctic truck sort of thing. And they go, oh, not good. This is definitely not good. And it's like, what is this dialogue? This is so stupid. <laughs> but you go along with it because it's such a great spectacle yeah. piece. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises, same principle. Lots of really cool visual stuff. And so many dumb things in service of a twist that A, everybody saw coming who knows anything about the comics, and B, doesn't actually make a lot of sense. The twist, of course, being that the whole thing is being orchestrated by the son, son the daughter of um, Raz al Ghul, Talia al Ghul, played by Marion Cotillard. And then we're all like, yeah, we know. Because when she was cast, everyone thought, she looks like being Talia. No, she's definitely not. Yeah. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is definitely not Khan. <laughs> He's John Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> that famous different. Star Trek villain, John Harrison. And I remember people digging around being like, oh, yeah, there is an episode in the original series with the, there's a guy, a guy with the John surname Harrison. Harrison and he, like, punches the captain. It must be him. Got oh, him. my God. Oh, no, wait. My name is Harrison. <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> I love it if they'd have done a cut for the trailer of that. <laughs> oh my god! My name is John. Okay. My name is John. <laughs> Welcome to Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, but yes, Talia Ghul. Everyone kind of saw it coming. They tried to twist as best they could, and you reel it, and you know. But it also means that when you do rewatch the film, knowing that she's Talia Ghul, everything she does along the way doesn't really make a lot of sense. Nope. It doesn't aid up. And, and again, if her end goal is just to de- detonate the bomb, what is ha- not even half the film? What is all of the film yeah. doing? <laughs> just detonate the bomb. Just set, just detonate the bomb. If you're literally like, oh, we're the League of Shadows. We've been trying to take down society in various forms. We've tried, you know, and in, in, in uh, Batman Begins, Ra's al Ghul says, we tried economics. Didn't really work. We were going to do crazy drugs to make them all go crazy and tear each other apart. Fair enough. Makes sense, I guess. I mean, if you want to destroy a town, uh, sorry, a city, and put fear in people, yeah, a nuke will fucking do that. Most, I mean, Japan knows that quite well. Jesus, <laughs> no, yeah. so seriously, it's the idea that it's the one of the most terrifying things. For the last, let's see, 40, 50 years, one of the biggest things influencing a lot of our big blockbuster films is the nuclear fear, because it's the one thing we can do to wipe each other out, and it's gone so much to the, to the degree of how powerful they are now. You know, it's always like... Hiroshima times whatever because it's how powerful the bombs are. We just don't actually use them. And, you know, all this sort of fear. But at the same time, no. It's more important that we drive it around in a truck for a while and then finally Jim Gordon can find it and put a giant Duplo brick on it. And they crash the truck with the bomb in it. Yep. And the bomb is like, I'm all right. Yeah, no worries, mate. Well, while we're touching on, on the kind of uh, some of the thematic... Uh, parts of it the politics of and we we talk about this in uh, in the commentary the politics of this film make no sense (laughs) Um, well and and not even that they make no sense it's that it 
is trying to be it's trying to act like it has a political point of view when it doesn't it just it is like what's happening in politics at the moment occupy wall street yeah we'll throw some of that in uh and it has no actual sense of like the reality of of anything really like no. it's a so, soundbite it's a soundbite that's been yeah. again it's, it's the nature of saying this is a cool concept i'll rework it into my film in the way that a child picks up something and says and then a dinosaur comes along and then the car crashes into the dinosaur it's like that doesn't really work no but i'm playing with it so just <laughs> go away and the same way it'll say like you know as you say the occupy wall street moment of movement sorry the idea that people are coming out of a massive financial crisis and it's still feeling the impact of it and that people can resonate with the sentence i mean it's a big part of the trailers with the whole you better batten down the hatch mr wayne because people wouldn't realize that you could live so large for so long a storm's coming mr wayne i mean it didn't did it no not really no not particularly and i don't know what the rich didn't lose anything no they got kicked out of the house until they didn't because they were still in houses yep and yeah, Why does Talia it... Al Ghul fuck Batman? <laughs> I'm sorry, just just think about because the... she can. I suppose, yeah. I will say we've we've been ragging on this film for a while. Um, there are there are good elements of Dark Knight Rises. I think the performances are mostly good. We like Bane is ridiculous, but he sticks out. Like he, there is a reason that people are still doing Bane impressions. Like, and to follow Heath Ledger. Who, what, good or not, whatever we think now, because of the nature of him getting a posthumous Oscar and being a very memorable performance, and people will still say, oh, it's my favourite Joker, until the next year comes out, and then, oh, look, that's my favourite Joker. It's interesting that he did something, he had to do something significant to stand out and stand up. And for what, better or worse, a physical performance, which is just mostly standing there, and... and holding his... Brace, holding... Holding the... Holding his vest. Vest thing, yeah. And then... A really weird voice, which he's logicked mm, out. Fucking terrible ADR. Yeah. Jackson Audio Man, he's not a fan of the ADR. Oh, God, that drives me. That was the moment I knew I didn't like that film. In the first fucking scene where he's crystal clear with a hood and a mask on. As the mask is coming off, it sounds the same. That was what you were saying as well, because as yeah. the mask comes off, he's talking mid-sentence and it yep. comes off and it yep. still sounds yep. the same. You can tell Tom Hardy's not talking in the same room as every other character, mm. because none of the background noise and none of the effects on his voice make any sense in context of that scene. The The example I particularly talked about is the, the scene with Bern Gorman and Ben Mendelsohn. God knows what their characters' names are. Rich bloke one and rich bloke number two. Uh, and he, like, squares up to them and, you know, do you feel in control and all that kind of stuff. And they're all... It's very hard wood floor, hard, like, big wood panelling, big, yeah. like, glass panels and stuff. They're shouting at each other literally shouting at each other about what's happening in Gotham, what's happened with the money, ah, we're all freaking out. And there's loads of reverb because there's loads of hard surfaces that sound bounces off and there's lots of echoing and stuff. Mm. And then Bane just appears. He's off screen at first and he's louder than the two of them put together just by talking. <laughs> that makes no sense. You think this is the power of me? <laughs> My boy. It's so <laughs> weird. It, 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 again, re- it really takes me out. It, it, it's weird, but it's memorable. That's the key thing. He, he's, but the he's performance dumb, is memorable, but, but the, it, the way they do it just oh, pisses yes. me off. And The execution. And I, I have talked about this before. I'm probably, especially compared to Matt, and this this came has come up in sequelizers before, I'm arguably the least versed in terms of like filmmaking and film techniques out of the the group of us, and that's been true throughout the the history of the other sequelizers. I'm probably like the least involved, and I know like Matt, you talked about like oh I'm gonna change this editor and stuff. I'm like I have no idea, couldn't name an editor to save my life. 
that kind of stuff. But that also makes you our most relatable audience surrogate. I'm surrogate audience. That's why I was the host. Exactly. If something takes me out of a film that I notice the filmmaking, yes. the fact that I went, oh God, that's really bad ADR. For example, I saw a clip of Logan where he goes mental and runs through the forest and kills everything and stabs oh, them all. Yes. And saw Hugh Jackman doing the ADR for that. Had no idea that was ADR no, that much. Because it's fucking brilliantly directed, well crafted, and put and the audio is synced up with everything and it all I've works seen nicely. That video. It's good because he goes and then he just turns the camera and just smiles. And goes, yeah, <laughs> he's just he's he's just stood in a booth watching himself. Yeah. jacked out of his mind running across <laughs> the. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't eat for like three days, and then I did this. <laughs> I had a lot of fun filming this. Yeah, uh, he does the, obviously the physical movements as well with it, yeah. and it's it's really good because I like that kind of nature of like, phony and audio recorded filming, and that's that's kind of what part of filmmaking is. And Jack is entirely one hundred percent correct. If that shit stands out to you, no matter what kind of filmmaker you are, it, oh sorry, filmmaker, film viewer, I should say, yeah. whether it's a layman who just watches, like, oh, I just watched one a year, a Star War maybe. Um, if you see something like that and it goes, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. That's that's why bad CGI is such a big thing. Because people realise, like, oh, I know that's not, you know, they're interacting with a green screen or a, a bloke with ping pongs all over, holding a big stick with ping pongs or whatever. You can suddenly tell, oh, this film isn't real, or you're you're drawn out of the reality. I want to be immersed, especially in something like a Batman film. I want to get lost in that world. They seemingly spent so much time building it up and making it believable, and then this film does multiple things that just draw me back to reality. And I remember, like. Oh yeah, I'm watching a film. When I'm watching a film, I don't want to be aware that I'm watching a film. I want to get sucked in. I want to get interested so much that I'm, I lose myself and get immersed. This film, it's almost like this film constantly has the boom dropping into shot because there's <laughs> there's so many things it's like black dynamite. Yeah, it's like movie. there's so many things where you're like, yeah, you just get completely thrown out of the world because you're like, wait, like why does he sound so weird or like, wait, how does that work? Why are those bikes already in the bank? Yeah. Or the, or the, or the bank, well, the, you um... mentioned that in the commentary. I was like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, they come in. I tried to justify it with my memory. I was like, no, yeah, they totally... You see them with the... No, you don't at all. No. To clarify, there's a, a stock market exchange high sequence and uh, they go in and... You gotta remove your helmet so you can think. And just, oh, I'm going <laughs> And um, then they like... Um, there's no money for you still. Why are you people here? <laughs> Jokes. And then um, oh, they rich all just people. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, this isn't how stocks work, and you can't just do this because it would be kind of. But anyway, and also the idea of a stock market is a country, we'll get that in a second. But then they just out on motorbikes that happen to already be there. I mean, they set them up beforehand, and Bane comes in wearing a motorbike helmet for some reason. For some reason. I mean, I don't really know what it accomplished either, but back to Tim. You mentioned it earlier, Matt. Like, people lose track of all of these weird logic leaps and unexplained things or or poorly explained things because at, at the end of the day Christopher Nolan is a competent filmmaker and he's Very good competent. at he's making really good, yeah. slick well produced action and there's a lot of like gr- there's a lot of really great shots there's some really great like we we talk about the opening plane sequence like it's amazing they actually did that for real um it makes no sense but <laughs> It's a great bit of like filmmaking and stunt work and stuff, and so your mind just like when you're when you're caught up in the the moment of watching it, 
your mind kind of glides over that thing if you let yourself be taken along for the ride but there's so many moments where it throws you out of that and then you start noticing all the holes um and i think that the people who do best in in all of his batman films are kind of the villains obviously heath ledger like made a huge impression but i think because they have license to play it a little bit more theatrical they're not beholden to that same sense of reality and so they can be a little bit bigger and we care less when they do stuff that doesn't quite make sense i was always a little bit disappointed that aaron eckhart wasn't in as long i know he's obviously in the film all the time but as two-faced specific with the harper because he was fucking great in that film he was genuinely standout and, and two-face is a great villain as well oh i love two-face and 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 also the fact that uh killy murphy again great job yeah Liam Neeson. He, like killy murphy seems to be having so much fun in these films yeah. and he's playing it a little bit more just a, a little bit camp you know a little bit just more like yeah i'm in a comic book movie i'm gonna i'm gonna be talking about the batman and i'm gonna sit up on my nice like lamey's desk and consign people out <laughs> to the ice and stuff um and uh and I, like in this film i think tom hardy does a memorable performance that does stick in the mind and I think Anne Hathaway's great. I think she's horribly underused as Catwoman, but she's got some great acting moments. Like her first appearance where she like robs Bruce Wayne is really good. And watching her switch from the kind of like uh, maid mode to burglar mode. And, and again, when she gets betrayed in the kind of bar and kind of becomes a screaming witness yes. victim, you know, uh, is, is really smart stuff. Um, and then the film just proceeds to basically waste her. Just sideline her the whole time. And it spends so much time with, like, Bruce Wayne in a hole or watching Joseph Gordon-Levitt, whose personality in this is, hello, I was once angry and sad, but now I'm not. Now I'm just normal. <laughs> now I'm just now a man. Yeah. I'm a cop. I hate guns. No, wait. I love guns. No, wait. I hate guns. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so scared of this gun. <laughs> I killed three people. And now I need to just drop it in the street. What the fuck, Job Blake? Sorry, Robin. Robin. <laughs> uh, I, I, I remember um, audibly groaning in the cinema. People, a couple of people in the cinema were like, "Woo, yeah, yeah. Robin, it's there's there's a Batman thing." Like, fuck yourselves. <laughs> Go suck a bag of dicks. I hate that so much. I I um I must admit there there are characters that, you know about the villains for example and they do they carry on really nicely and smaller roles uh, Tom Wilkinson in Batman Begins mm. he's yeah, fucking yeah. great yeah don't come down here with your anger it's it's just it's just really again if you go back and look at the the sort of rogues gallery that's created in this very short period even though it does the arguably does the thing we always say Batman films shouldn't do and does tons of villains it does them all really pretty fucking well. Um, except for Matt Modine as kind of good guy, bad guy cop who is <laughs> fucking incompetent. Yeah, Matthew Modine is so weird in these films. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Oh, wait, he's dead off screen. Wait, what? Yes, <laughs> oh, by the way. But we also then need to talk about uh, Gary Oldman, who we all universally love the shit out of Gary Oldman. Amazing actor. All-time great, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, he, he he sells the line in Batman Begins, I gotta get me one of those, which is <laughs> fucking awful. But it doesn't matter. He's great in this stuff. Um... And at the start of the movie, I've uh, I've written a speech for another time. It's like, why did you write a full <laughs> fucking confession? Keep it in your pocket, and then a couple of days later, Bane's people find you 
and he reads it out. And again, we were talking about this in the commentary. Bane reads out in front of the uh, Blackgate Prison the um, the commissioner confession, and without anybody seeing it, we just all believe him. Yeah. Must be true. <laughs> Must be true. There's no this... way this terrorist is lying to us. <laughs> yeah, it's completely true. It's on the news. But it's so strange because, but then having said that, despite that, and all the weird bits and pieces in him talking about all the, I had my hands in the mud and get people down this it doesn't actually make a lot of sense but again the quality of the actor and the caliber of the people behind the camera and this cast sort of cast and crew sells arguably something that's really really fucking stupid it's not like this isn't like a watertight film it's dumb as balls if you try and say to somebody okay if we did a sequelizers pitch and we pitched dark knight rises as it currently stands we would be shredding each other saying, wait, so why do they do... None of this makes sense. Mm. Wait, he's visited and given exposition by a ghost? Oh no, Ra's al Ghul's just in his head. What? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, Jim Gordon's visited by a man in a very expensive suit with a balaclava on his face. Who and doesn't he just hide his tells voice. him everything. Yeah. And he's just like, hello, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Batman. Trust me. They, they have to are, are, you Batman. Wearing, are you wearing... Are you wearing a Bruce Wayne suit? <laughs> it's really fucking expensive. Yeah, where's the expensive suit come from? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm not Bruce Wayne. Um, and but again, I'll tell sh- you about a coat later on, and you'll work it out from that. <laughs> from thirty fucking oh years my God. ago. All it takes is a coat or a little boy. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. I haven't put my coat on anybody. <laughs> not even my own not son. Not even my wife. <laughs> it's so. Oh, yeah. There's so much dumb shit. The only nuclear physicist who knows how these things work. Apparently. Don't forget. Yeah. Dr. And then just Pavel, a really quick and cheap and pointless blood transfusion, which means nothing. And then... God, yeah. And then it cuts to Batman's been gone for eight years and the Dent Act means people have been arresting people. And you're like, okay, that kind of makes some, some sense. I guess not the Batman thing, but sure, fine. And it all hinges on this lie. It complete, completely wastes the great not cliffhanger of the dark knight but the 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 premise that is established at the end of the dark knight of like oh so the next film is going to be about the police not trusting batman and them like chasing him down yeah and then later when batman re-emerges oh you're in for a show tonight son really because i thought you hated this guy yeah <laughs> i thought he murdered your city's hero yeah. yeah oh he's got a led gun sort of thing that gets shot by a cop <laughs> put that thing away anyway so then what happens then is bane comes out of nowhere with the script, bec- the speech, sorry, because he, Gordon chased him into a sewer or some guy. And then he takes over the town by blowing up the bridges and making a big speech at a game, a football game. And threatening the trigger man, this unsung hero. Yeah. Turns out it's totally old totally girl. And if they leave the island, a bomb will go off and nuke everybody. And you're like, okay. And nobody attempts to do anything for six months, arguably. And then there's a kangaroo court where they start getting anyone who's rich. You missed arguably. out all the Catwoman stuff, by the way, because none of it fucking <laughs> matters. Sorry, there's a criminal who wants to invite comes a clean slate. I don't uh, know why she wants that. Oh, and, and she's living fine. Uh, Bruce Wayne is made poor at one point, which really, really matters and and, and is super yes. impactful on the rest of the plot. Luke, it's, like, it's like, we can't afford I, uh, the orphanage anymore. I, why I not? Got, I got to keep the house. Wow. The rich don't go poor like the rest of us. <laughs> Political commentary. Hey, uh, Mr. Fox, I've just come asked what you're doing with my company. Well, you know, you're bankrupted. How? Oh, with my your R&D projects. We need to have oh. profits, Mr. Wayne. It's like, 
Well, what are you? What what is your company? I mean, I get what you're saying. You're entirely correct about this R and D. Don't thing, you have also, infinite money? Isn't that yeah, the, isn't that the point? Batman's money like one of the most rich people, like to Scrooge McDuck or some shit like that. Yeah. Anyway, so they're still got like oh, right, this thing here. I call it the bat, and yes, it comes in black. It's like okay, great, wonderful, but it's not a car. It's not a car. It's not a car. Oh, I fucking we say that a lot <laughs> in the commentary. Um, yes, it's it's all, and then at this point. Batman goes away, and by that I mean he fights Bane because Catwoman betrays Catwoman him tricks for him reasons, into it, yeah. and he sleeps with Ghoul for reasons, and then he puts him in a prison in the middle of nowhere for reasons and, and, and deposits in a well. Him. Yep, like and a Pizza Hut driver. Then an old doctor punches him in the spine and he does some push-ups and he's fine, and he jumps out because he believes in himself more. Then he, Bane... he works out that Talia Al Ghul is Talia Al Ghul. Yeah. No, no, he, he doesn't. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Because then Bane just waits he thinks, for a while. He thinks Bane is. He thinks Bane's. Oh, he does. He hasn't worked it out yet. Jim sorry, Al Ghul. Jim Al Ghul. Billy Bob. And then Billy Bob he fights him. What's where the trigger is? Because they haven't actually figured it out. <laughs> and then Talia says, "I'm Talia Al Ghul. My father's Ra- Ra's Al Ghul." And you're like, "Oh, I'm surprised." And <laughs> oh, and he he. They've already had sex, by the way. He learns he learns how to beat Bane by punching him in, in his, the mask in the mask, which is already very clearly breathing apparatus. And we never because really it would be extremely painful for you. For you. We never really establish why he needs any of that, but that's fine. And then Bane gets shot. He's, he has so much pain. He's in pain, Matthew. By Catwoman. <laughs> I don't know where he is. <laughs> he's got so many superficial scars. Just <laughs> <laughs> looks sway. Um, <laughs> and then he gets blown up. And then Talia Ghul crashes her own car, arguably, and with Gordon in the back unstrapped, but he's fine. Because he's, an old he's man. not he's not crushed by a nuclear bomb. Everything's no, fine. He's fine. And and then, then Batman flies out and then in two seconds goes on autopilot and gets away and washed away. Uh, and then oh oh by the way, Alfred's in this. And <laughs> and then Blake not for a lot of it. Blake the cop, who's uh fine, I guess, is then given access to all of the bat material and probably dies within the first week. <laughs> I imagine it's like the kite man thing from the comics where he yes. just splash <laughs> breaks his neck. Uh, that's literally and and uh, that's can't, can't find his way out of the bat cave and starves to death. <laughs> Eat some rats. Eating rats. Yeah, oh. that's a Batman reference. Um, so yeah, effectively, if we delivered that to you as a plot for this Batman film, you'd be like, guys, that's that's kind of weak. Did you rush this? Did you not have a lot of time <laughs> with it? It's like, no, we did. We had tons of edits. And lots of time and lots of drafts and loads actually, of money. But actually, we really wanted to be writing like Inception and Interstellar, so yeah. we didn't really. We nah. kind of had to do this. I had to yeah. contractually do this film so I can make Interstellar. It is very, very frustrating, and the the real frustration is it made a load of money on IMDb. It's considered the seventy first greatest movie of all time, or some old bullshit like that. And people to this day, you say like, eh, the Dark Knight trilogy is not a good trilogy, and they go, how? Dare you, you Marvel sucking dick? And you're like, um, no, it's nothing to do with that at all because it's always has to be like, oh, well, is it because you love Marvel more? Is you love Avengers? Avengers. I mean, Avengers um, is much better. It is much yeah. better. But it's like, no, because I love Batman. I have a lot of Batman comics, and I—that's the problem. I'm invested in this thing, and I do like Christopher Nolan's Batman. Arguably, I just didn't like how. Most importantly, they didn't know how to end the story, and we discussed this when we were talking about um, how to fix Dark Knight Rises. Not you don't start with oh who's the villain gonna be oh what's the uh, even don't even know what characters how does Bruce Wayne's Batman story end because we know that it's not gonna keep going and going and going and spin off into a franchise this is where this trilogy they've killed ends. him in the comics multiple times so yeah. he just keeps on coming back he always does but this is the point what is the the definitive end for this guy and the problem with the way that Dark Knight Rises starts 
it feels like a film four. It feels like there's already yeah. like you've had like eight years with like he's just gone for some reason. I seem to remember reading this in the time that he's Batman in Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, like out in public. He's Batman for like six months or something ridiculous. And then there's eight years where he's not Batman. He would just be one of those dudes who's out in Chicago, one of those street. Like, he would be kick ass. He's a bad meme. Yeah. He would be a joke. Enough. He would be a bad meme. He would be this like kick ass style. Oh, it's just a fucking idiot in a suit. Like, no one would care. Not, you're in for a real show, kid. Like, do you Are even you? remember this fucker? Yeah. Like, sure, it was, must have been quite cool at the time, but. Batman isn't a thing in this universe. They're like, who's this dickhead in a costume? I'm not wearing hockey pants. <sighs> yeah. It is very frustrating. But at the same time, as Tim, okay, I'm very much with Tim on this one. I feel there are a lot of positives in the film. I think they're overshadowed by a lot of dumb stuff. But the problem is the dumb stuff is deep-seated. The dumb stuff is a spinning top. It is Inception, where it tells you this film is really clever. And you go... It is really good. It's does basically, it, but does it stop, man? No, no, it doesn't. He's 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 not dreaming. What? It's real. Uh, what? It's real. His kids are real. Oh my god. But, okay, if I say like elephants, what do you think? Elephants? It's like yeah, that's fucking Dark Knight Rises. This film is really, you know, quite clever. Oh, this film's quite clever. <laughs> is it? No, it's just a little convoluted. So as you may have seen in the build-up to season five, we teased it as a Patreon blog post. We have a sponsor for the season. Whoop. For the first time ever, we're not only Patreon supported, but some company decided they might want to give us money to promote something to our listeners. Money, please. Yay. <laughs> Yay, that's exciting. <laughs> Very kind. That sponsor is actually fairly relevant to us as well. It's a, it's a podcast-themed sponsor, and I thought that was appropriate for us. We reached out to a couple of different companies. I thought I have a couple of different ideas, but I think this one is pretty appropriate. And I've used their service myself for a few years now. I'm a huge podcast listener. And it is Stitcher Premium. And I've used Stitcher for a while now. I hadn't tried out Stitcher Premium until fairly recently. And yeah, Stitcher Premium are sponsoring us now. Isn't that cool? It is very cool. And if you, dear listeners, would like to get in on some Stitcher Premium goodness and start listening to us, we're on Stitcher. That's nice. You can listen to that. And you can listen to a bunch of other shows. They have exclusive episodes and extra content and ad-free episodes and stuff for loads of shows, including one of my favorites, which is the Wolverine podcast, which is a, not a thing I thought I would say like five years ago. So like, oh, what kind of podcast do you just do? The Wolverine one. Is it As just in, is him reviewing like cigars and whiskey <laughs> and, and talking so. about how all his girlfriends are dead? I give it four snicks. <laughs> <laughs> Three claws up for this one. <laughs> Funnily enough, to, to tangent slightly, uh, my friend Jason runs the Snicked cast and that is a Wolverine themed <laughs> nice. podcast and they do give it a rating out of six claws. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. That's four and a half claws out of six. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really love Wolverine The Lost Trail, which is the kind of, uh, it's almost like an audiobook. It's a drama series and it's a really cool kind of twist it's amazingly produced it's really well acted and fantastic it's got a great score to it there's a full kind of foley and, and multi-person cast to it it's a it's your own audio drama but free and a podcast and it's fantastic and it's available on early access and ad free through stitcher premium which is exciting and if you listeners want to get in on stitcher premium how, how do they do it jack yeah, how, Good. how jack excellent question tim and matt <laughs> Almost like we rehearsed this, right, guys? No. No, we did not. We most did not. We most certainly did not. Uh, you can go to stitcherpremium.com, and as you go to checkout, you can put in the promo code SEQUALIZERS, and you'll get your first month for free. 
So you can get all that extra early access, bonus content, and all that good stuff for free for a month. And after that, it's either four ninety nine, as in dollars per month, mm-hmm. or thirty four dollars and ninety nine cents for the entire year. Which is pretty good. That's a pretty good deal. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Which points out because um, obviously. Again, other people saying, oh, yeah, we, we're supported by these people. We have no idea what they do. We actually did investigate, obviously, yeah. right? and you should, you've used Stitcher in the past. Yeah. Um, if you use an app, you can't put the promo code in. It's very difficult. You have to go onto the website specifically. Now, it does tell you that on... I couldn't find out how to do it now, but I'm quite dumb. <laughs> no, but yeah, so I found it worked on the website specifically, so you might have the same thing. Don't want people going, oh, I couldn't do it. Just that's how I found it personally. So, yeah. Stitcherpremium.com. Go there on your work PC and <laughs> fuck the man and go and check out some sweet sweet podcast goodness I like the idea of a court stenographer reading that back it says fuck some man here it's like, it's like no 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 the man <laughs> <laughs> who's the man that's a very good question um, yeah and I know it can be confusing where to put the promo code in sometimes go to the little once you press checkout it will show you the price. So go for the annual subscription, for example. It will show you like thirty four ninety nine, and just above the price, you'll have a little promo exactly, code yes, box. Yeah. Type in our title, which is spelt with all the E's and all the S's, no A's, no Z's, no Z's, American listeners. And uh, yeah, you get your first month of Stitch Premium for free. Our listeners are smart. I trust them to figure it out. You'd think the fact that they're listening to this show and it's written on the phone in front of them, <laughs> or the device in front of them... No, not convinced. No, I'm just old. Ah, fair <laughs> enough. I make sounds every now and again. Right, should we get around to fixing it? We probably should, shouldn't we? And by we, I mean me. <gasps> we need to talk about the new uh, new approach to surprise Yeah, it. motherfuckers, I'm getting involved. Yeah. The host now stepping up to the plate and trying to fix films and get ripped apart by the guys who have done it before. <laughs> After eight years of being... <laughs> I've been away for eight years, but I got my knee brace on and I'm ready to go. He's... I'm ready to kick some bricks. But sir, you've got no writing cartilage left. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh dear. So yeah, it's actually my turn to fix it. And with this format, we're going to be... Essentially, one of us will take the lead on a particular episode, on a particular film... We'll write slightly more detailed than some of the ones we've done before, slightly less detailed than the ones where we read it basically note for note, scene by scene previously. And the other two sequelizers will then try and kind of cross-examine, cross-reference and discuss, oh, maybe we should cast this person. Maybe we could have done that instead. And then we all discuss it. Don't worry, folks. The titles are back. So we will actually give them unique and interesting titles once again. And... Yeah, it's kind of a blend of both formats previously with a bit of more collaborative, bit more... Yeah. I think it's going to be very, very exciting because we're going to have, as you say, uh, a strong pitch. And it won't be a case of very, very loose. It'll be a strong, detailed pitch, basically, each episode, followed by us scrutinizing it on air, much in the same way Jack would uh, previously, um, and then coming to a You've consensus. You've turned the tables on me, is what you're A little saying. bit, a little finally bit. Finally, bringing you in, revenge. bringing you in. So the, into the, into the it's fold. the Darth Maul moment. Yeah, so it should be interesting. Um, we'll see how it goes, obviously, for the entire season. <laughs> but uh, we'll all read out the pitch together, so it's a united front, and then we'll tear it to pieces. But in a nice way, because I like Jack's pitch. So, we're in 2012, mm-hmm. as we should be. Yeah. Sticking along with the Dark Knight Rises timeline. I mean, 2019, 2012 was a fucking dreamscape. <laughs> I know, right? Well, it's supposed to be the end of the world, but also it wasn't. Well, My Batman film. Nightfall. Makes complete sense. With mm. a K. <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? 
It, he, he is he is vengeance. He is the knight without a K. He can't be knightful <laughs> with a K. How dare you? We should talk about this very briefly, though, with the, the idea that they call the first one Batman Begins. Second one's the Dark Knight. No connection. Brilliant. Different words for Batman. Fantastic. Third one, Dark Knight Rises. No. No. Bad title. Because you could go like The Dark Knight Returns or something like that. That's a famous, like, all time great comic, Batman comic, and that kind of thing. One of the most influential comics of the 80s and that kind of stuff. Completely different thing. But yeah, I thought I'd take a little bit of Dark Knight. I don't want to tie it in too much. Like you said, I want something a little bit different. And the fact that, I mean, obviously, surprise, surprise, I think called Nightfall, that's when Bane shows up in them comics. So, uh,. There's going to be some Bane in this. Dark Knight Rises is, is you can point at it and go, look, that's what a stupid executive is like. Because it's it's someone in Hollywood going, oh, but if we don't call it the Dark Knight something, will audiences know that it's from the same series? And it's like, of fucking course they will. Yeah. Like, it's a Batman film starring the same people with the same aesthetic. Like, audiences are not that stupid. <laughs> It's like, oh, we have to have the same title as the second one because the first one has a very different title. What are you talking about? It also ties very heavily into the first one because reasons. A League of Shadows. League of Shadows. <laughs> Every time. Oh, dear. So, Nightfall, 2012. I approve. That really is a good shout. Director, and I quote myself. A very reluctant Christopher Nolan. <laughs> is he reluctant or are you reluctant to add him? He, he's very reluctant because I don't think he would put up with me because Nolan, uh, Nolan's a famous auteur. And, he would uh, want to write himself. Yes, he would. Um, well, tough, Chris. Yeah. I, I think you're a bit of a dick, so I'm going to write your film for you. <laughs> you and Jonathan, if that is his real name. It probably is. Probably not. <laughs> uh, returning cast, all the people you'd expect... Bale is back, Freeman is back, Oldman is back, etc., etc. What about the, so, the like, old man and the free man? Exactly. <laughs> what about the the cane man? Yeah, cane man. Cane man's back. Old man, Batman, cane man, free man. <laughs> is he shopping for more fruit? <laughs> <laughs> Bananas. In an Italian restaurant. Um, Tangerines. Yes. Azrael. Mm-hmm. Alexander Skarsgård. Bane. Adam Rodriguez. And Firefly, just for the lols, Tom fucking Hardy. <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone for Firefly, so I thought, fuck it. No, it's fair. He gets to do his silly voice <laughs> in a mask. In a mask, yeah. 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 Well, um, he gets to deliver the same line as we'll learn Did you want to give the audience a guy of who Adam Rodriguez and Skarsgård are, just in case? Uh, Skarsgård, at that point, was probably most famous for True Blood. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's a big, sexy, Scandinavian bloke. He is gigantic. Yeah. And uh, Azrael is supposed to be quite a physically imposing character, as we'll get onto later in the in my pitch. And he's also like very blonde and very kind of, for want of a better phrase, like Ubermensch style. Oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's the he's the white savior kind Teutonic. of character. Yes, very yes. much so. And Skarsgård is a giant, gorgeous Scandinavian man. Yeah, so, and yeah. very broody and terrifying. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great in true. He's the best thing about True Blood, in my opinion. Skarsgård's great. Actor, um, so, yeah. Skarsgård's great in, in in a bunch of stuff. You may know the other Skarsgårds as well. Bill is in it, and Stellan has been in loads of stuff over the years as well. They're a fantastic acting family, and uh, yeah, 
Skarsgård. I, I like him. Gustav's in uh, Vikings. And oh yes, West he Wales, is. Yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. Again, they're all. I think like yeah. five or six of those fuckers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam Rodriguez is again a very large man, mm. and from CSI Miami. Yes, and Empire. I want to say yes. I think so. Yeah, and. Yeah. The main thing I know him from is CSI. My mum's a huge CSI fan. Ah. And that was kind of my, my clue of like, I need a kind of, uh, um, again, a little hint here. I'm taking Bane back to his comic origins of being a Latin character. Yeah, rather I agree. Than, oh, he's just a Englishman? English Romani. Although we were thinking that his dad Ish? being thingy snake king is English, so or British, so technically... Uh, in the comics. Oh, in the comics, right, yeah, right, right. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but my, my thing for Rodriguez is, is Magic Mike. Yes, yeah, he's good, just burly, yeah. huge yeah. dude. So yep. yeah, Latin yep. dude. That so like, yeah. that, it, it was the physique of Magic Mike, yeah, very yeah, much yeah. so. Yeah, bringing that in there, and yeah, <laughs> Tom Hardy's Firefly because fuck it, why not? Mm. I, I have a feeling you guys are very ready to recast Firefly because that was a bit of a joke on my part. But I don't know, he might stay in talking about burning. Yeah, um, I think it, well, the character's name is Gareth Garfield or Garfield <laughs> Linz or something like that. GG, yeah. <laughs> peace out. <laughs> Uh, now we can discuss our bits after. Yes, yeah, yeah. we should get to the pitch and so, see what the audience think. Unlike the Dark Knight Rises, we kick off with some Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Cold open, picking up four years after the Dark Knight, essentially the same timeline as in real life and the release years of the films. We open with Batman on the Bat Cycle, zooming down the streets of Gotham, weaving between vehicles. He's chasing the villain Firefly, who is swooping through the air above him. Firefly seems to be using modified Wayne Enterprises technology to wreak havoc over a crowded bridge, spewing flames and exploding cars around Batman. Batman grapples onto Firefly's equipment and is trailing behind him, cape flowing in the wind. An aerial battle ensues and Batman eventually subdues Firefly, disabling his weapons and tech. We hear sirens in the background as Batman takes Firefly's mask off. He says, It's not over, Batman. (laughs) The fire rises. As Batman escapes the burning wreckage left in his wake. Bruce Wayne is sat in the Batcave, constructing a new version of the Batsuit. Alfred comes in and says he should get out, as it's Jim Gordon's birthday tomorrow night, and he's giving a speech at City Hall. Bruce is reluctant, but eventually agrees. They discuss The Fire Rises and what it could Do mean. Do it in the voice, Tim. The Fire Rises. Thank I'm you. terrible at voices. <laughs> so is Tom Hardy. <laughs> uh, and what it could mean. Alfred says he recognises it as an old phrase used by a group within the Knights Templar, the Order of St. Dumas. Jim Gordon is giving his birthday speech, discussing the Gotham crime statistics at a podium in front of City Hall. The Dent Act has been successful over the last few years of reducing crime uh, throughout the city, organised crime. However, masked vigilantes like the Batman and Catwoman are still running rampant. His speech implies that Batman being in Gotham attracts all of the masked villains, which is detrimental to Gotham overall. There are anti-police protesters in front of the crowd in support of Batman's form of justice. Suddenly, an explosion rocks the city hall behind Gordon, knocking him off his podium. We see Bane in full mask and comic-style costume with the detonator in his hand. He wades into the police crowd, making short work of them. He's huge and seemingly indestructible. And his voice is pretty fucking normal. (laughs) He doesn't talk like Tom Hardy. He's a very large Latin American man. Yep. Batman arrives to fight Bane. We see the fight through the TV cameras that had been covering Gordon's speech. He briefly matches him in the fight, but Bane grows in strength as the fight goes on. As they battle, Bane tells Batman that the venom that flows through his veins is what fuels his hatred for Batman. He is destined to be the one to break the Batman of Gotham. 
Bane swells with strength and drops Batman with a huge punch. On the steps of City Hall, he lifts Gordon up with ease. After Harvey Dent, these men are your heroes? A withered old beat cop. Bane snaps Gordon's neck and drops him. He moves over to Batman and picks him up. And a grown man who spends his billions on toys and costumes. Bruce's mask falls off as he hangs helpless above Bane, his identity revealed to the public. Then Bane brings the Batman down over his knee, breaking his back. Fade to black. We see the coverage of Bane's attack on TV in the following days. Gordon is mourned and memorialised, and Batman slash Bruce has disappeared. Bane begins a militant reign of terror in Gotham in their absence. We see a montage of the, with the reporters speaking over the top. A few members of an anti-Bane resistance fight with Bane's men in the streets, but to no avail. Once they're dispatched, we pan up to see Batman on a rooftop. A different Batman, in an intimidating armoured suit. He swiftly and brutally deals with his foes, breaking bones and leaving them in a bloody pile. With a modulated voice through his helmet, trying to imitate the Bale Batman voice, he tells them to inform their bosses that the Batman has risen from the ashes to cleanse the city. As he leaves, he hears a voice in the helmet, Time to come home, Azrael. Bruce is wheelchair-bound, with Alfred by his side. He's looking into the identity of Bane and how he so easily defeated Batman. They see some CCTV footage of the new Batman, and Alfred comments how he moves in the same way as Bruce does, but with added brutality. The scene ends with Bruce going to physical therapy and trying to learn to walk again. Bane appears again at City Hall. He addresses the rumour of the new Batman, calling him an imposter and a false idol. The new Batman appears and is ready to face Bane. He declares himself as Saint Batman, the Batman the city deserves. This version of Batman is more of a match for Bane than Bruce was, but he still doesn't get the job done. We see Bane swell in size again, take control of the fight, and the new Batman realises something's going on. Bruce is watching this footage and manages to work out what Bane is doing. Bruce notices two key things. Number one, Saint Batman is going too far with his brutality, and number two, Bane's weakness. After a brutal confrontation, Saint Batman manages to escape Bane, barely alive but determined to beat him in the future. As he escapes, we see he's stolen a vial of venom, snatching it from Bane's suit during the fight. Bruce continues his physical therapy, slowly getting stronger and relearning how to walk and trying to begin his rigorous physical training again. Meanwhile, we see Saint Batman doing similar fighting training, looking incredibly strong, now enhanced by Venom, preparing to fight Bane once again. I'm thinking Rocky Four. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce is is Rocky. Dolph Lundgren. He's, and, uh, he's, yeah. li- he's lifting trees and ducking under chains. Stuff, and ducking shit. under chains, and, and then there's and there's Saint Batman in this mechanized suit, Venom mm. pumping through his veins, looking like an absolute killer. That makes sense. It's time for the rematch: Bane versus Gotham's new savior. Bane's strength and technique versus Azrael's technology and newly acquired strength. They're incredibly evenly matched. A television helicopter begins filming the fight above the combatants in the city streets. During their fight, Bruce makes his return. He's in a Dark Knight Returns slash Batman v Superman style armoured suit. Azrael instantly tells him to stay out of it. He's not needed in Gotham anymore. Bane attacks Bruce and finally they're evenly matched. Azrael interrupts Bruce and attacks Bane with even more viciousness. Bruce briefly stops Azrael and faces Bane again. Bruce is able to disconnect some of Bane's venom tubes and weakens him. Azrael steps in and attacks Bruce, destroying his helmet in the process. Azrael takes the opportunity and kills Bane while he's weakened. Azrael begins gloating to Bruce and squares up to him to decide who is the true Batman. 
they fight blow for blow, both already exhausted from preceding battle. Azrael is already calling Bruce an old man and that he shouldn't have come back. Bruce eventually outsmarts Azrael, disabling his suit piece by piece. He eventually removes the suit and Azrael's source of venom, beating him. Bruce walks away as the police approach. Bruce Wayne arrives at Wayne Manor. The press and public try to talk to him, but he doesn't say a word. He slowly walks to the front door and Alfred answers. Are you sure, sir? (laughs) It's the only way, Alfred. Batman can't just be a man. He needs to be what he was before all of this. A symbol for the people of Gotham. Bruce Wayne closes the doors of the manor, and a few seconds later, it explodes, levelling it to the ground and shocking the gathered crowd. We fade to black, and the flames of the manor lingering as the final image of the film. As we head to credits. There we go. That's Nightfall. Nice. Where would you like to start, gentlemen? Let's jump in with some cast stuff first and then go to some plot yeah. points. Yeah. So, casting-wise, uh, you've got three new additions because you've got three new characters, technically. One is, let's face it, it's the typical open, cold open sort of thing. It's, it's Firefly for, for the is almost... Yeah. It could be any fucker. Yep. It yep. doesn't matter. That was kind of um, my joke with Tom Hardy, yeah. Yeah, Tom Hardy would work perfectly fine. I don't think a problem with that, personally. I think anyone you get would be a nice sort of cameo they wouldn't be wasted. I wrote, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt might be a nice idea. Just because he's wiry and I think he could be quite interesting and give a lot of... And they both worked with Nolan on Inception. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So exactly. exactly. Yeah. They yeah. both feel like they're... they're, 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 they're Nolan's Nolan buddies. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. So Get Hugh Jackman in there from The Prestige. You could. Or Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, female. She could play anybody. No, no reason why not. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't, no women. Oh, yes. Nolan can't do women. Well, let's show you for a minute. Then we have uh, as uh, Bane. Bane's always an interesting one because um, I don't think there has been a good... Well, that's not fair. A couple of the animated Banes. That's the thing. Is, yeah. Exactly. The voice is an interesting thing. I heard an interesting... And they can also do cartoon mental giant, oh, yes, bigger yes. than a brick shit house. Hulk style. Yeah, Hulk style. Exactly. Yeah. I've heard a lot of interesting casting online which say you do a different body and a different voice or you make it an animated character like Hulk. And I don't agree with it personally because I think a lot of the physical... As much as... Tom Hardy's ADR, blah, blah, blah. He conveys a lot in his face. His ridiculous eyes. Ooh, people. It's a physicality to it. It wasn't should... even a word. That was just noises. That's Tom That's Hardy. Bane. In the same way that as much as it's a strange comparison to make, in the first Ghost Rider film, there is somebody who is the Ghost Rider body and Nicolas Cage just does the, uh, the, the Johnny stuff, Johnny Blaze. But in the second one, Cage is also Ghost Rider, and you can tell from his movements because they're so ridiculous. Because <laughs> it's Nicholas Bloody and it's Cage. Cage, exactly, and it sells it better. I still think that's actually a, okay. Say, we'll get to in a second. You're saying Spirit of Vengeance is better than the first one? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with yeah. you. Yeah, it's more kinetic and interesting. They're both not great, but no, but that's more Spirit yeah. of Vengeance is better. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so in that way, I don't think that would work. I think you need someone who's going to be the all-round performance, and that does include a lot of physicality. Now, obviously, they do quite a lot here to make Tiny Tiny Tom Hardy quite a presence on screen. Yeah, I purposely picked a physically large man. Yeah. To, because Christian Bale is 6'1", I think. Yeah, it's like hard not six to... 6'1", and Tom Hardy's like 5'9", or something like that in real life. So there's a real... You can literally see Tom Hardy wearing like big platform shoes when he's Bane. So my pick of Rodriguez was that kind of conscious. And it makes sense because he yeah. squares off against him. I think he's also a, a solid visual case for the actor, certainly. Acting-wise, I think he could do it. Personally, I think he could handle it quite well. We have some ideas, but we have a problem with our ideas. Um, I'll jump in mine and then yours, Tim. 
Yeah, the one thing I was going to say is I think it, it, it also depends how you want to play Bane. And Very true. Because I think Adam Rodriguez has got a lot of charisma, and if you want to play him as a kind of like charming... Uh, kind of firebrand figure i think that could work very well whereas i think some of the people we've picked actually most of the people we picked have got that level of charisma but they could they could probably also do They'd a much darker. more like yet yeah, darker more murderous version of bane right so. okay yeah my, my jump in it, as an alternative not necessarily like we have to change it but if i was in the situation where this was the script was put to me as a director like who would you put in this role my thought would be uh the mindset specifically anton chigurh in no Country for All Men, so um, Javier Bardem. I thought the exact same thing. However, yeah. he's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, as well. Yep, so I he's, that. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. But then in that scene, like... For he's example, so like, intimidating as he is. Sugar, though, isn't he? Like, yeah. And I yeah. think that's the whole point. I think his presence is so intense. But then also you do have the language barrier, whereby his accent is sometimes difficult for people to understand arguably if you put a modulator on that as well people might go oh, i don't understand any of it because they're dickheads so I, yeah i wouldn't modulate bane's voice in that way just, have a normal... thinking, just like he's he's essentially in the comic costume Ooh. where he's wearing a mask not yes. a full weird like gas mask thing gibbon face he's wearing a more like the traditional bane like wrestling mask kind of thing, thing. Yeah, like yeah, a luchador yeah. kind of thing um, and yeah when i thought of that the first thing i thought of was like call it well well what am i playing for <laughs> just call it and you get that really deep Spanish scary accent, and I'm like that's cartoon Bane. That yeah. works really well. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he's oh, fuck, he's really small as well. Like that, that doesn't really work. It, yeah, it, it is a it is an interesting thing because it has to be physically imposing. There are ways around it. I mean, again, in Desperado, they made, they made Tom Hardy work. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. I think it. It, it, it can work. Yeah, but it limits what you can do sometimes as well visually. Yeah, Bardem was definitely one of my picks as well. That's what about you, Tim? What are you thinking? Yeah, so I I had an idea that hit up against the same problem, which I hadn't really. Uh, considered which was uh oscar isaac is it kind of all latin actors are five for eight um, apparently universally across the board yeah and kind of that's got quite a bit of physicality to it and and intimidating even though he is not the tallest man in the world but the other thought i had once we started talking about uh taller actors not a latino uh gentleman but um could possibly work as jeffrey dean morgan um, oh, you mean the white Javier Bardem? The white, <laughs> the white Javier Bardem, um, who, of course, has been comedian at this point, goes on to be Thomas Wayne uh, in Batman vs Superman, but uh, is six one and, and Negan in uh, and Negan in Walking in Dead. Walking Dead, yeah. Um, but he's well versed in the comic books. Oh yes, um, but he's six one, and I think and him in that you know he didn't like doing it in Watchmen, but him in that build suit. It's like if you again with good and this thing we always rag on. I mean. The Darkest Hour, where Gary Oldman, amazing fucking makeup to become the, the Winston Churchill. Churchill. Film. Yeah, yeah. You don't always have to get a built guy. You can actually just do it with makeup. And I know it's like everyone thinks, what, you might have Vinnie Jones as the fucking juggernaut. I was like, no, no, no. You can actually do it really well, in theory. It's possible. And him, like, again, not a lot of people didn't realise his, his you know, comedian suit where he's all like hench and shit. He's actually a suit. Yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. God damn, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think they're they're, in, they're interesting choices. I don't know if any of them would necessarily work because the way Nolan would shoot it kind of thing, yes, he could make it work either way. And Rodriguez definitely has a lot of personality. I think I've only really seen him in clips and things from like Empire, where he's opposite like Taraji P. Henson, for example. And I, I think he's got a lot of personality. I think it's one of those things that were casting, everyone would go, who? What? And then afterwards you go, oh shit, that's a... And in the same way, like... That was partly my idea. Yeah. yeah. And let's face it, it's a very Nolan cast. It's like, who are you getting for the Joker? Heath Ledger. Who are you getting for Scarecrow? Killian Murphy. 
people wouldn't know who these people were outside of the those guy roles. From Sunshine and the guy from A Knight's Tale. Yeah, it's sure, it's, but it works because again, they feel appropriate for the roles, arguably. And I think you might be on something there. I think we're thinking, yeah, imposing voice and presence and acting range and quality, but that's not to discredit Rodriguez. It's just we haven't seen him in it yet. Asriel, I have no problem with Skarsgård personally. Mm, yeah, I think that's a really good pick. Yeah, because he was, he's, he was the first person I cast. He's, like, he's very of including Asriel. Yeah, he's he's very uh, again a dark, broody guy. Who, if you see him in even things like Tarzan and stuff, <laughs> he's quite imposing and terrifying and and mute and things you wouldn't expect necessarily to be. They're not necessarily great films, but his performance stands out. War and Everyone is a great example for that because him and Michael Pena are running around and you're like quite. Shit, why don't we cast Michael Pena as Bane? <laughs> ah, 5-7. Hilarious Bane. Ah, talking exactly like it is an Ant-Man. Exactly. Now, guys, guys, John Leguizamo. Oh! <laughs> Old Johnny Legs. Oh. Yeah, okay, so he's a good shout. And again, five like a baby doesn't really make a difference. So then we get to, the, obviously, the tonal shift. So as silly as it sounds, reading the script, I like the pitch, personally. Um, I think it's solid work. I think it sounds more comic booky. And strangely, more video gamey. Yeah. Now, yeah, I've played of, Arkham. Yeah. I've said I played Arkham Asylum. I played Arkham City. I haven't played Arkham Knight. But there, this there feels... is some Arkham Knight influence. In yes. That. Yeah. Very I much think so. Firefly's in that, isn't he? He is. Yeah. yeah. The opening scene is the fight with Firefly. That's the influence <laughs> for that. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, the opening and closing scenes of this pitch are essentially the Arkham Knight stuff. So okay. the the final bit where the manor burns down and explodes and all that kind of stuff is the final moment of the nightfall ending oh, of Arkham Knight. Yes. Um, and he does it there. So I'll go into a little bit of detail that happens that Bruce Wayne's identity is revealed by Scarecrow on TV, blah, 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 blah. He lands in the Batplane outside Wayne Manor and they're like, oh, Bruce, Mr. Wayne. Blah, blah. He suddenly goes, has that conversation with Alfred, essentially. But he has to give the code word. And code word is nightfall. It's a bit cheesy, so I didn't want to include that. Um, if the last word he says of my film is the film title, I couldn't live with myself. I know. You mean, I know <laughs> so yeah. yeah, he says, "Are you sure, Master Wayne? We have to, Alfred." Blah blah blah, and has to live on as a symbol. Blows up the manor, and then it does like a flash forward, and there's this girl being attacked by. Oh, it's it's a Thomas and Martha Wayne equivalent couple, which uh, is a bit cheesy. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. That's being fine. attacked by thugs. Yes, two th- two faces thugs. And they say, oh, what? no problems around here. There ain't no Batman anymore. That old guy's dead, blah, blah, blah. And then up in the like the, the rooftops, a Batman appears. See, I think you need that. I think so as well. I was film. thinking, do I need to include that? Then it goes a bit weird, and that's where I have a problem. I wonder if you just cut up and you see Batman cut to black. I would agree. Then I, credits. I, 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 I think you don't even necessarily need to see Batman they, what, you they, have you have the shadow oh, passing over cool. yeah, the shadow okay, of the yeah. ears yeah, the yeah. silhouette of just the bat ears yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I like your idea Tim so what, what Arkham Knight does it takes it a step further and implies that he's weaponized Scarecrow's fear gas which is uh, weird and they go what are you dressing up as the Batman ain't you heard he's dead and then he swells into like this 20 foot tall bat creature and swoops down on them. And he looks exactly like Nightmare Batman, which is the fear gas Batman from earlier on in the game. And he, that his swooping fades into the flaming you, bat yeah, logo. You can cut that thing. off at certain points. I mean, literally, you could have the long shadow. You could be like, what are you supposed to be? Uh, it could be anything. It could cut just they go, oh, God, he's back. It could be anything. Or just literally just the look in their face as they turn. Or just a shadow. And I think that I, cause I, you're yeah, right. The idea of like the symbol idea. needs to have something there. Um, and I think to be fair, the legacy living on, like 
well, who is it? Is it? Is it? What's going? Did Bruce fake his death? Is it, yeah, exactly. Is it someone else? Yeah, that yeah. would be better than. Oh, hello, over there. There's a man who I know is very recognisable and famous, having a what's that? A panini. <laughs> or as it's commonly known in Italy, a panino. A panini is plural. He, he bought me a drink, he did. He bought me a drink. I said, thank you. I've got all your money. <laughs> he bought me this Jager bomb. <laughs> oh, Alfred's oh, doing, down it doing bombs. In- uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's fake to be like, that's, that's a better... Cause, yeah. I, mean, it, I, like, I like that yeah. little addition. Yeah. That works. Um, other things, well, it's, it's very comic booky for for Nolan, but then to be fair, so Batman Begins, I think it's perfectly fine. I'm thinking the, the 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 design aspect of it will hopefully ground it a bit. Oh yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I, I know I, I'm very heavily influenced by comics because I'm a comics guy, but I was a bit yeah. My worry is that I've kind of done the. It's not grounded enough for Nolan, and that's why I kind of said a, a very reluctant Chris Nolan is getting involved in this project. Like, fuck you, we're doing the comics, Chris. I mean, do your job. Yeah, he's producer on like Man of Steel and Man of Steel. Superman flies. They don't call him Superman at any point. God <laughs> forbid we use his name. Yeah, but at the same time, the one thing that sort of so in, in, in the superhero sort of uh, uh, comic book element, shall we say, just a name check for Catwoman. So you don't. I, that I, was I, me I know just kind of throwing it in there yeah. just as a bit of fun. Yeah, I think um, I like it, but I think if this is going to end the story, I think it would. If I was a fan, if I was watching, that would piss me off. Just because <laughs> I'm like, wait, so you don't. There's just there's just a Catwoman I, happens I, to be wearing. I did it. Show I me. did it just to oh, kind of piss yeah, you yeah. off. But yeah, yeah. But th- yeah. that's the thing. So I think unless you were trying to do like a spin-off with Anne Hathaway as a whole film, which you I mean would... with Halle Berry. Oh my God, what's wrong with you? Um, you know, I said uh, was it Son of the Mask is one of the worst films. Halle Berry's Catwoman is certainly up there and one of the worst oh, films yeah. I've ever seen in my entire it, life. It's it's easily one of the worst films I've ever made. That's that terrible. and Elektra are the two worst superhero films I've oh. ever seen in my life. I think I was going to say, I think that's pretty much all I want to add, really, because I like a lot of it. I had a few other bits and pieces about um, how Bane knows Batman is Batman or Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I did wonder. Um, my plan would be to include maybe some flashbacks of him, mm-hmm. you know, watching TV in a prison, like, you as know, one, as one does. As one does. <laughs> Do you push um, But no, that, like, in the comics, Bane deduces that Bruce See, Wayne smart, is Batman. So, yeah. Bane is a genius, but I only have. A limited amount of no, words no, no, no. to kind of fit. I get all it because you've done uh, you've done a good basic thing. You've done Batman being a detective, yes. which is nice. Yeah. And I think the idea of showing Bane, being which he sort of tries to do in Dark Knight Rises, but fails miserably. Yeah. But then just Google's Catwoman, and everything's fine. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Here's her entire history. Yeah, problem solved. She's looking for a clean slate, Alfred. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why is she looking for a clean slate? Um, but yeah, so in theory, they're they're not only physically matched, but they're also. Mentally, Men- matched, mentally guess, matched as well, which is what was the the whole thing in the 90s of he's Batman's most dangerous villain because he matches him in every way and then exceeds him in the physical side of things. So Bruce can't outsmart him. In and Dark Knight Rises tries to do that. Very much so, yeah. But it just gets some convolutions. Like, none of this makes sense. And also there's a puppet master following the strings behind the thing, which yeah. is Tyler O'Gool, yeah. which again doesn't really... Which reduces Bane to a kind of henchman role. Yeah. And yes. he should be the fucking villain, which is why I kind of have him there. And then I kind of twist it and say, well, is Azrael the villain, maybe? He yeah. definitely is another villain. I like the yeah. idea of the three-way, uh, the, the three-way fight, the, as it the were. The triple threat. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Saying, like, well, hang on, there's different levels of justice. It's the same. It's the same. It's a, physica- a physical representation of the moral argument between Harvey and Bruce, arguably. Yes. That was of, kind of the theme I yeah. was continuing there. Which I like. And that kind of... And also with the like protesters and stuff, there's a theme of like police brutality, like how far do you go for justice and all yes. that kind of stuff. Is it okay to kill bad people? Because 
Batman kind of does that. He just lets Ra's al Ghul die yeah. in a train and like but then doesn't kill the Joker, even though the Joker is the worst. But like just hangs him upside down for a bit. Like, okay. So some people you let die, some people you don't. It's all a bit weird. He's not quite like Batfleck levels of I'm just killing everything just with machine everybody. guns. Yeah. But yeah, Bale's Batman is a bit of a weird one because he doesn't really have a clear no guns, no killing kind of thing, but he sort of does. Yes. And I wanted to kind of toy with him, like, does he go too far? And is he the one that kills Bane? Is he the one that kills Azrael to stop him? And have him realize that, no, I need to be the bigger man. I need to be, like, stand on the moral high ground and, and do that kind of thing. Remind me, who's the guy talking in the earpiece to Azrael? Um, no one in particular. It would just be somebody from the Order. So basically, the, the thing is that the Order of St. Dumas have been planning to they're an old like faction of the knights templar yes. in the comics and they have roots in gotham and they basically want to establish themselves as the the saviors of this yeah. sinful city basically and he's like the christ-like batman he, he, and saint batman saint batman is kind of taken from a recent comic early this year funnily enough um which is a version alternate version of nightfall where azrael wins and kills bruce and he goes on oh, to sure. be the Batman, basically, and he calls himself Saint Batman, and he has this whole fucking crusade, a literal crusade through Gotham and stuff. So I kind of toyed with that, taking Azrael, because in the comics of the Nightfall stuff, he's his apprentice for some reason. It's it's weird. Like, it's you have Robin. Why is he an apprentice? Oh, because he's a bit clever and he's isn't, a bit of a detective. Isn't like, Tim Drake like, upset with him all the time? Like, like you're, yeah, you're too mean. The John John Paul Valley, who is the um, Azrael, I would probably use. He tries to work with Tim Drake because he actually takes over as Batman in the Nightfall comics, but they don't get along and it's a whole thing. And Tim that Drake really upsets um, Dick Grayson later in the story. Yes. Like, like, yeah. 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 Because yeah. Yeah. it's and, a dumb fucking move. Yeah. And and in that thing, he, oddly enough, he lets a villain die. He lets Abattoir die. Yeah. And then Bruce is like, nah, he's really what's best for the city. He, you know, he can do a better job than me. And then Tim goes, he lets people die. And Bruce goes, hold on. What the fuck? He's not Batman. He lets people die. Batman doesn't let people die. Yeah. But we kind of can't do that because Batman lets people die in the <laughs> Nolan yeah, universe. So I couldn't yeah. really quite do that. Obviously, we don't have a Tim Drake to bounce him off, which would be nice, but we don't. And I don't think... You can't Nolan, establish in this film. Uh, you can't yeah. just bring a Robin in out of nowhere and be like, in the last couple of years... And one of my plans was to have, like, in the last couple of years, he's got an apprentice. And I was like, oh, no, that's, that's Batman and Robin. That's well, I mean, uh, Nolan always said he hates the idea of Robin and then basically did a Robin. Just in name only with the... With Basically, Tim, he with, did. He yeah. called him Robin. Yeah. But didn't make him any kind of Robin yeah, he's at still all. Yeah, he's still an orphan he Ugh. takes in and lives in his house. Um, but I think for a subplot thing, because this isn't a continuation, because this is a final... We're ending this yes, trilogy. Yeah. This is the end of this story. I think that needs to sort of full circle, which I think Tim had a point about. Yeah, I... Um, so my, my main kind of... Um, points coming off of this were i kind of, I kind of wanted to know more about the villains and i and i think this is just a nature yeah. of you know writing I, a very I, short ideally pitch. i would do that yeah. um yeah. you know i wanted to know you know what what bane's agenda is you know beyond just kind of chaos um and also you know i thought that there was maybe room to tie um yeah, much as <laughs> they do it in in dark knight rises and it kind of but doesn't really make sense I think there's room to tie the Order of Saint Dumas in with the League of Shadows, Ooh, and okay. have them yeah, as like be that. like a linked or possibly dueling organizations. Oh, I like the dueling organizations because um, I think having them linked is too close to the original, and I think 
the original is the original being Dino Rises, obviously, is to it's Star Wars prequely. Why, why is he the member the of the League of Shadows? Yeah. Who fucking cares? Why did Anakin build C three PO? None of it makes sense. Bane is not a member of the League of Assassins in the comics, although he does later kind of team he up. He was excommunicated from League of Shadows. Where Rajal Shadow go? It's like why? What the fuck are you talking excommunicated? What does that mean? They're you a bunch of assassins. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, what the fuck? But yeah, I I like the idea that they're dueling almost like Matthew Assassin's Creed style. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm very much on board with that. Assassins versus Templars. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, Michael, very much on board Michael with that. Fassbender. <laughs> no. You can do uh, Michael Fassbender as an Azrael. Marion Cotillard, like, you got the connection there. Well. True, very true. Um, but yeah, I actually quite like that idea, Tim, having them... Yeah, like I said, ideally I would tie more into the the backstory, maybe with flashbacks or some kind of... Deci- it's a no you'll have the time. Decidedly not clunky exposition. <laughs> <laughs> um, somehow have them be like, oh, mate, are you from the League of Shadows? Or they're like, maybe. Are you from the Order of Saint Louis? Maybe. And like, I think yeah. I think that gives that gives them gives Azrael more of a reason to kind of show up and uh, and a motivation, but be- yeah. for him wanting to supplant Batman because he's like, no, you you come from this evil organization. Even if, even if you turned your back on it, they're who Batman trained already you. Has who that connection. You. Yeah, you know, um, you know, you want to save the city. That's what, you know, that's what we do. We, we save it from chaos. Um, uh, but you know, obviously, with far too brutal methods. I like. Uh, I haven't really read much of Nightfall, but I know bits and pieces of it, um, and um, I think uh, I reread it for this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm not a big fan there's, of it. There's, there's, um, because, because I know, I know, Azrael has his system, the system that they yes, train them does, in, yeah. in the Order of Saint Dumas, yeah. which is like kind he, of he's mentally conditioned, and all this yeah. they try and break him out of his mental conditioning, and it's a whole thing. But yeah, um, yeah. and I thought there may he be has, like the ghost of his father talking to him and Saint. Saint Dumas literally talks to him, I think, in some form, ghostly form, and mm. he's dealing with that whole thing, and it's all a bit much. Um, it's a bit Passion of Christy. Yeah, which which may not work, might be a bit too big for this film, but I also think there's a there's a moment in the comics I know where he gets dosed with scarecrow toxin, mm. and that kind of sin like that that co- essentially causes the system to kind of take over. Um, so it's it's kind of steering him rather than his own personality is steering him and that might be an interesting way to kind of have him perhaps begin with batman giving him his the approval um and then have something that then sends him down that darker path where he's like oh wait no this guy's unstable now yeah Um, i don't dislike the whole like i said i particularly dislike the fact that john paul valley is just a fifth robin or whatever the fuck yeah Yeah. for no reason but i actually don't mind what you said to him where he like Bruce gives him his seal of approval kind of thing of like, no, maybe you are what's right for this city. Yeah. I maybe can't do I it anymore. It and, I've yeah. failed this city. Now it's your turn. You are the, you're the next generation. You've come in here. You're the next generation and you can bring, you know, Bane to justice or whatever. And he kind of gives him his blessing, pun intended. The Venom itself, do we ever address what it is? Because I think if we go, again, if you think about the trilogy mindset and full circle and bring it all in, if it's somehow linked to the, the Joker, uh, sorry, Joker, uh, the Scarecrow, uh, I think it's a something kind of linked to the scarecrow toxin yeah. and like the blue flower. From See that the all League makes sense. That, yes, kind of yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. That would, which would also allow the audience to make the same conclusion as well. Yeah, yeah. which makes it again in typical Nolan way something that's quite straightforward. But the audience go, "Oh, oh my clever. god, so clever!" Yeah, yeah. That, that does was, that was my plan. That does bring one question in though. Dark Knight Rises one of the biggest issues it has is that it doesn't have any Joker in it. Now, obviously, we know why he did, but. 
do we address the lack of Heath Ledger Joker? Do we do anything with it? Obviously, it doesn't need to, but I think we all were like, it's not here. It's missing. It's a problem. It needs to be addressed and fixed. Gordon could mention it in his speech or something like that, perhaps. And just instead of the Catwoman throwaway line, you get a Joker throwaway line. Like, sure, Batman has done great things to this city. He stuffed a Joker and he stuffed blah, blah, blah. But And then he moves on to the next point of like, but he brings all these other mass vigilantes to this city and blah, blah, blah. And that prophecy ends up kind of coming true, which was my kind of another theme there of, but he he brings in Bane because... Bane's motivation is that he kind of sees Batman as what he should have been, essentially. But he grew up in a prison and he was, you know, mistreated. Batman grew up with the silver spoon and he's become this kind of this lauded and like powerful figure in Gotham. He, because he's a genius, works out Bruce Wayne is Batman. He already knows he's Bruce Wayne before he reveals it to the public. And he does that in a way that I think I, I don't know how I would do it or how he would work it out because in the comics he just kind of he literally watches them on TV and works it out because he's a genius because comic geniuses are just geniuses and every <laughs> fucker in comics is I, a genius I would say you could link it in relatively straightforwardly again with that Nolan mindset of straightforward make it sound overly clever so my logic would be there are two parallels with Bruce Wayne one is Azrael and one is Bane one is this is what it's like. Yeah, to three be... sides of the same cut. Wait a minute. <laughs> of the same D. Don't tell that to Harvey Dent. <laughs> and um, well, the edge of the coin. It's oh. the third side. So effectively speaking, Azrael's the, the the vigilante style. You're not going far enough. The the, the the sort of Jason Todd mindset. Very much so. Yeah. 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 The the crazy redhead side of things. And then you have the Bane side of things of like you are a very poor, not in vigilante style. You're a very poor individual who doesn't know how to do anything with his money. And also you're a very poor League of Shadows-esque individual. And I think tying it back to the League of Shadows is a really good shout and also ties in how you can probably make this credibly work in terms of how he figures them out. Because everything Batman has learned is from the League of Shadows. Is from them. If you say that's their MO, you doesn't take you can literally have them just say, you know, it didn't take long to understand every move you make. Is a copy of somebody else. That kind of thing. It's, it's literally like yeah. everything you do is there's nothing original about you, and that's why I will beat you every time because I've seen I'm it all smart. Before. Yeah, Razor Gould told me blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I like, I've these, and, and then you got the Saint Demar thing, and that it's the I am your adversary. I've seen the same training methods. Yes, okay, you've got a little bit more for the idea of theatricality and and deception, but it's the same shit, same tricks, different thing. It's like someone doing a different version of Hamlet. I can still see it's fucking Hamlet. I know how this play ends. I mean, you can, in fact, you could use that as a, an example. You could literally be saying, you know, you're playing the same role, but I've seen this play and I see how it ends. And it's that, that idea it's that actually quite like he's that. actually yeah. quite smart. It's like, it's not hard to figure out what you're doing when you've done a new paint job. How has no one car. noticed Batman is Batman? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and then it's like the whole, like the, the, the Clark Kent Superman thing. It's like, you all fucking stupid. Look. <laughs> and that also gives us that nice, the, the, the moment at, you know towards the end where it's like no he is more than the sum of his training correct you know yes. he you know Bruce Wayne does bring he, he is not just a, an instrument that has been forged through circumstance which is basically what Azrael and Bane are you know that, exactly. that he, yeah. he is he is bringing something unique to it and that that is why he in the end triumphs he's not a carbon copy he is uh, that was literally the the launch pad that got him started. But the truth is that 
he's been Batman since he stood up and went back and did all the things. There, there are things yeah. about his personality, the the trauma, the OT, uh, uh, PTSD, the sort mm. of stuff he's gone through. Yes, they are the crucible with which he's arguably forged. But what he does with it's again, all we, I think this is something that the Dark Knight Rises really misses out on. If you know this is the end of your trilogy. Bring back quotes and things from the first films. Very principles. Much so, yeah. Yeah. The idea, like, it's not who I am on the outside. It's what I choose to do. It's, it's like, yeah. Uh. And it, it's that thing of, you know, I think the, the a question which is kind of toyed with in Batman Begins, you know, even by the title itself, is when does he become Batman? Like, is he Batman the moment his parents are shot? Is he mm-hmm. Batman when he goes off to train with the League of Shadows? Is he Batman when he decides not to shoot Joe Chill? Is he Batman when he finally puts on the mask? Like, right, like yeah, yeah. what is the point? And and I think you could. there's a certain philosophy which is basically like, he's always been Batman. Like, even if his parents hadn't been killed, there is something at the core of his being that drives him to do this kind of thing. And it would obviously be very different. Um, but... That's why he doesn't retire for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we said this about like the 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 Spider-Man pitch in the previous iteration of uh, of previous sequelizers is sometimes you can't knock that sense out of people in the same way that if you see injustice and you're like, no, I pick up a mask and put it on and I fight people, I don't just kind of quit that and then go live in fucking Venice or whatever the fuck he does. It, and again, does he just? I mean, it, it's the thing that's like happily ever after, except that's not how it works because eventually he and Catwoman have a load of spats and go off, and I assume doing Mr. and Mrs. Smith and just have to go out and like night raids. I'd and watch things. the fuck out of that, to be fair. I would too, actually. With that cast, I'd be fine with it. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is I think, you know, bringing in that idea of, you know, their differing philosophies on, you know, what, between Azrael and Bane and Batman um, and whether he's, you know, just the product of a system like them you also have the ideas of like legacy that that brings up and the fact that and especially the way the film ends it's a you know you kind of say like no batman is its own unique thing it's not just the league of shadows and it's not just this you know and it's, it's not just bruce wayne and it's In, not just and or it's, is it it's not just bruce wayne it's 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 a symbol and it's a way of operating yeah. um and it it can be passed on and in the same way, people may or may not be safer because of it. Because again, we have the whole like the Batman is saving this woman. It's like, yeah, but they're only kind of doing it because they think they can get away with it because there's no overlooking Big Brothery kind of thing. And which is an argument that's been going since the first film. I think that those questions, that, that, again, in Batman Begins, there's a lot of interesting discussion between the ideologies of how to fix a system that is broken whether it's society or otherwise. And then you talk from a victim's point of view, from an adult's point of view, from someone who's grieving, etc., etc. Then you get the Joker's point of view and it warps it slightly and tests how much he can commit to what he believes is true and so on and so forth. And you get the differing between Dent and Wayne and how far they go with their principles. And then you get Dark Knight Rises and it becomes lost because I don't know what Bane stands for. And I don't know what Batman stands for anymore no, in that film. Exactly. And because he's because he's essentially given up. What frustrates me most is that I like this, for example, you do still have a thing where you know he's in a wheelchair, then he does arguably push ups and he comes back. But he he doesn't get a magical knee brace. No, he doesn't. He gets a full on fucking tank of a suit and it makes sense and also the fans love the shit out of that let's face it we loved it when Bat- in Batman Superman that scene still is cool but whatever. but 
at the same time. Yeah, I think it was a combination of him like he manages to relearn to walk, mm-hmm. but the suit is doing the, most the, of the driving lifting. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, most of the lifting. Exactly. Rody in in a, you know post Civil War kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, but at the same time, in the Dark Knight Rises, Batman gets into a tunnel. Mr. Wayne. <laughs> like, oh, he knows who he is, and then he punches him a lot, and that fight is fucking dull. And there's a punch that he throws. I'd make my fights a lot more interesting. You, just, oh, just I know you would. Yes, yeah, you would. Yeah, you mentioned that, so that nothing we've seen in a Batman film before. <laughs> Still, you mentioned that. It's not yeah. fucking boring like yeah. Dark Knight Rises. That's a point, actually. How does Bane know who Batman is in Dark Knight Rises? They don't explain that. I seem because of the League of Shadows. I guess. Him. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Again, it's, it's, it's in our in our thing. We're like, how does that work, Jack? Oh, we'll probably do this. Oh, it works so nicely. Took five fucking seconds for it to fix that. Oh, it was the like Shadows thing, and he yeah. recognizes his techniques and blah blah. Yep. I guess that's what he does in Dark because he does talk but it's about never the whole like. Explicitly stated, and you like you were adopted uh, by the Dark, and I guess except he wasn't. He was in a prison. And it was quite bright in there, and he yeah. was already an adult. It's just a big hole. Like, Why does he need breathing apparatus when he just got beaten up? I assume it's he's like, just vaping. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like vapor administered painkillers. I assume. Yeah. How much pain can he be in? Just have him inject something. But at the same time, he goes against in, in, in the you know the sewer bit, which happens to be underneath, I guess, the basement of the Wayne I building. I hate that so much. And oh, beautifully. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and he then punches him and throws him away, like refuse. And then Batman goes away, and he trains a bit, comes back. Oh, what did he learn? Nothing. Because he still tries to punch, punch him, him in the face. Punch him in the face, mm. specifically. And it's like, whereas this Don't Batman... Don't throw your little fireworky things. Yeah. Punch him in the face um, a bit more. Because one could argue in, the, in your version of the film, which, I again, I like, in Nightfall, Batman kind of doesn't best Bane. It's Azrael and Bane. It's because he's been yep. beaten up by multiple things. Yep. And that's the one thing. And it's that the, 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 arguably Bruce never did beat him. And that's quite a nice thing. In the same way that Bruce doesn't actually beat the Joker, but the Joker doesn't actually win because the theologies... There are nice bits to it, and I think that fits with this universe more that, than what That was a conscious decision on my yeah. part to have him... Bane does beat him, and he never truly gets his vengeance because he shouldn't do, because that, you know... It's not about Vengeance that. leads yeah. to the dark side kind of thing. Of like, It's not about that. It's about... he Gotham needs the correct Batman. It doesn't matter whether it's Bruce or whoever it is, but it's certainly not these two fuckers who it are needs fighting the in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that... He doesn't. He didn't come back to face Bane. He came back to stop both of them in whatever way he can. Which is what Batman should arguably do. Just like, oh no, people are suffering because of this. I need to fix it because uh, no one should suffer what I've suffered. That kind of thing. What's that? What, what have you suffered, Batman? Being rich. I'm rich. Thanks, Affleck. Tim, any further? I think addendums? the only the only other thing that I would would want to wade in and change is. I would not have it be Commissioner Gordon who's giving the speech about mm. um, why Batman is not needed, because I think the end of the the previous uh, of the Dark Knight, you you want to have Gordon as perhaps something he can't publicly come out and the say the only ally that he has left, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I I would have it perhaps be a debate or something, and you have like give it to the mayor, I, I, yeah, you you give it to the mayor, and you have the mayor go like, oh look how great, you know. Uh, helped us, helped us well. through that threat a few years back that we won't really talk about. Wink, because, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, um, but you know we don't need him. And yeah, and, that's and not he, a bad idea. And it's yeah. an election year, damn it, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can still have Gordon. I think Gordon can still die. 
I think they can both still die. Bomb, otherwise, next stepping is fine. That, that I mean, yeah, the, the mayor could die in the explosion and then he publicly kills Gordon or the other way around. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Gordon is taken out. You I do think the, but, uh, you do the shocking thing like Bomb I, for mayor and commissioner needs to go. Yeah. It needs to hurt yeah. for us. There's an audience. Yeah. yeah. I think you lingering on that. Oh, fuck. They killed Gary Oldman. Like, that, that was my plan to have that be a, a, a shocking moment that shows how what what Bane is willing to do for his. What is his the gut best. punch moment in Dark Knight Rises? Who's who's Matt Modi? Who who's the guy who's who who dies and you go, shit? Talia oh, Al Ghul. I think the gut punch moment is meant <laughs> to be Alfred leaving. It is, yeah, it is, yeah, I'm yeah, right, yeah. About, I can't do it about the way. And he just turns up at the end of the fucking funeral with a different headstone. Yeah. Okay. I tried to get a couple of gut punches in there, and yeah. No, no, they were good. I like. I approve. I approve. That's why the, the first one just doesn't have much to care about and it's a bit weird which throws the pacing off yeah so yeah that's my nightfall pitch and yeah i think we became we came to some good ideas yeah i think that it didn't need much tweaking i think i didn't get absolutely slaughtered which is nice for my (laughs) first ever sequelizers pitch yeah i'm just waiting for the comments on soundcloud and twitter to tear me apart nah fuck yeah i think i like obviously all opinions are subjective. There's going to be a lot of people out there who love The Dark Knight Rises, and you're everyone's welcome to their opinions. But I think from from our point of view, especially going back and watching it with a bit of perspective, there's so many just missed opportunities in which, that yes. film, which you can do as well, accompanied by our commentary. Hey. If you want to hear us be incredibly cynical about this, and me get very excited about Anne Hathaway punching a man. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. That was great when you highlighted that. <laughs> oh, and the guy that falls over on the left in that fight scene. Yeah. He just falls over for no reason. And one thing we haven't addressed here at all, how much we all hate that fucking bat plane. Oh. The, the woodlouse. It's not a car. It's not a car. It's not a car. <laughs> for all that and more, go and check out our commentary that goes along Dark Knight Rises. You have to be a Patreon supporter to access that good bonus content. And we will have a couple more commentaries throughout the season as well for select films that we have selected out of the 12 you can expect this season. To support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and chuck us a few bucks. There's a few different tiers, a few different options for access to different goodies and rewards and all that kind of stuff. And if you are a previous or current patron of ours, I suppose, or a brand new person who would like to support us, we are now on the monthly payment tier, the, uh, the schedule, I guess you want to say. Sure. We used to be per episode, so we would release two episodes a month, uh, or sometimes three episodes a month, depending on the month, because we just released it every other Tuesday. And yeah, it was all a bit kind of, some people were not, I want to know how much I'm going to be charged and all that kind of stuff. We fixed it. It is now set at whatever you choose to pay us you will pay that much for the month no matter how many episodes release no matter how much bonus content we release you will get charged the thing you wish to get charged for and it's nice and simple and straightforward it's a simple monthly fee subscription it's very helpful and it's good for us again if you as always if people can't afford to just commenting liking and uh, sharing stuff that's sharing stuff on social media yeah subscribing to us on all the usual podcast platforms and all that kind of good stuff and rating as well on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and any other podcatcher of your choice. How <laughs> ain't Tom Hardy? Your weird line delivery. Yeah, but yeah, if you do choose to support us on Patreon, there, can't stress enough. There is 
now. I mean, you've obviously immediately access to all the stuff that's already been on there. But there is so much stuff in terms of there are weekly outtakes. There are, uh, again, often occurring commentaries. You will also get on certain tiers discounts on merchandise because we do merchandise now. Um, and you get on certain tiers free t-shirts and stuff. It's, it's literally a fuck ton of stuff. So if you do think to yourself, actually, I really like this. I, I do genuinely want to, I have a couple of uh, dollars. I got some disposable income. Or more accurately, I've got lots of money and I want to tell you exactly <laughs> what to sequelize. You can go on there and have a look. And if you think to yourself, yeah, or pitch in with some friends. You can go and choose some episodes for us to discuss this season if you so wish. Which we, we have some of those coming up later this we, season. We do, we do. As picked by patrons. There are options to vote on films for the next season. There is one patron voted film in this season as well, as we'll get to later on. And yeah, early access to everything pretty much. Loads of bonus content, but as always, the main show, this, will remain free for everyone. That's key. And for whether you want to support us or not, we totally get it. If you're, you know, budget's tight and all that kind of stuff. It's post-Christmas January, so, yeah, everybody's everybody's skint at the moment, but, yeah. Cancel that gym membership. You're not going to go anyway. <laughs> Give us your money instead. I, I feel, agree. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> I fucking agree. Do some push-ups at home. Like Batman would. Yeah, go exactly. to a prison. Have an old man punch you in the spine and then save the fucking city and give us some dollars. If, you, t- uh, you mean to tell me you do all those push-ups and you can't give the sequelizes a couple of quid a month? <laughs> <laughs> Why is Michael Caine from the West Country? <laughs> can't do voices. <laughs> Don't discourage his voices. I want to hear more of them. <laughs> we need to hear more voices, Tim. And if people want to hear more from you, Tim, not necessarily in your voice acting prowess, but usually in your written prowess, how would they do that? Uh, they would go to Twitter and look for trivia underscore lad, uh, where I uh, will tweet opinions on things, TV, film, comic books. I um, I sometimes write uh, comics criticism and stuff like that, so I'll link all to that stuff there. And also I do a podcast called Sequelizers, which you may have heard of. Wait, what? <laughs> that sounds I'd, I'd great. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Matthew? Where can people find your opinions? Yes, you can go to most... Uh, social media platforms and search for at Stogs S-T-O-G-H-Z and uh, yeah Instagram you'll see pictures of me doing stupid shit and Facebook stupid shit and Twitter some stupid shit filmmaking stuff film reviewing stuff Jack hello if I were to for argument's sake surf the world wide web and on my surfing can we do that these days? I don't fucking know um (laughs) I'm off on the internet. Um, if if I was though, if I were to surf the world in this wide imaginary wide, dream world you've crafted, yeah. yeah. How yeah. could I stumble upon your reef? <laughs> J L W Chambers. That's all you need. All the social medias, all the various platforms. Follow me for my opinions on films, wrestling. Dragon Ball Super at the moment because I'm watching <laughs> Dragon Ball again. I like Dragon Ball Super, so I'm... Um... Yeah, I'm talking a lot about Dragon Ball Super, talk a lot about wrestling, talk a lot about comics, and yeah, pretty much pretty much that. What about the show? Do we, If you want to get in contact with us uh, directly as a show entity. You can email us, sequelizers at gmail.com. Of course, you can find us on all the social medias, just at sequelizers, spelt how we spell it. Because you can see it on the show right now. So I don't need to spell it for you, even though we have done it in the past. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook are our three main social media platforms. 
If you want a bit more visual, go to Instagram. A bit more interactive seems to be the people on Twitter. And Facebook is probably your mum at this point, isn't it? It's there. It's there. It's your mum. I love that. (laughs) Facebook is full of mums, isn't it? Complaining about Brexit and stuff. It's true. With million memes. Facebook is just so we can make sure that the Russian government knows about sequelizers. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you get successful. Have the Russians sponsor you. We got one big Patreon. It's oh, it's Vladimir. <laughs> just, just vla- like at Vladdy P or something. Yeah. <laughs> what we sequelizing? Always Rocky Four, and Russians <laughs> always have to win. <laughs> Every week it's fucking Rocky Four. Sorry guys, he's paying us some Patreon. So what about Rocky Four this time? You think America should win? Nah. Brad's shaking his head. <laughs> Vlad is like shaking. Vlad. His head. Yeah. Brad is rebranded to yeah. Vlad. Brad was taken out and then rebranded as. Bother didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for all your support, monetarily and otherwise. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this new season. Exciting season five. Yeah, we really hope you guys are looking forward to what we've got coming up in terms of our strategies and our structures and our stabilisation. I'm just thinking around still words. Strong and stable, Matthew. Strong Stogdens. And stable. And no, it's, it's going to be exciting. And again, we, we were sort of hinting for a lot of the end part of 2019 that it was going to be a bigger and better podcast than the before and kind of thing. And yeah, I think going weekly may kill us, but you're welcome. <laughs> 12 episodes a season, weekly releases, more bonus content than ever before. We've got the whole year pitched out. We've got 52 seriously, episodes. Seriously, like color-coded and everything. It is, seriously. We've had business meetings with people. Yep. It's mental. It's crazy. And I'm going to say something I've wanted to say and almost accidentally said a few times on this show. Oh, shit, he's going to say he loves us. I love you. Ah! Ah! And see you next week. Ah! Was it actually that? Yeah, it was see you next week, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, because it's weekly. I kept saying that before. And they were like, wait, no, it's it's every other week. Oh. It's bi-weekly or bi-monthly, whatever the phrase is. But no. Now, listeners, see you next week. Uh, see you next week everyone see we'll see you in the future but only seven days a week it's blinding blinding blinding